Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Welcome back, friends. Hello. We're really in it. This is now end of October. I think when you guys are listening to this, it's a little bit earlier for us, but we are just, uh, we're in it. Hope you guys are in it too. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Um, we're definitely starting to see the full, you know, middle of the semester school year is underway and hopefully by now if you needed to get information about your child's like IEP they've had a meeting if not this is your friendly reminder go ask for a meeting absolutely and we had finished out our solo episodes regarding the eligibility categories I just wanted to pat us on the back because our intent really was to get through them all in February but you know us we get so many great guests on we just want to share those episodes with you first, but we got a lot of positive feedback from you guys. And if you have specific questions, please feel free to direct message us on Instagram. Instagram, we're just like really using a lot, you guys. So please go over there. There's a lot of great content and like in our stories that we're trying to do, it just feels more accessible. So please uh, reach out to us. Absolutely. So today we are going to be talking about a very, very important topic might get a little more serious, but you know, not that we're not always serious, but we are so excited for our guest today. So thank you, Erin, for being on the pod. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Can you give our listeners a little bit of background on you, what you do, how you got here, and then we'll jump into a conversation. Sure. So I am Erin Pollard. I use she and they pronouns, and I am an academic administrator at a community college here in California. I'm also a licensed marriage and family therapist, licensed professional clinical counselor, and I specialize in gender affirming care, which means that I work pretty exclusively with trans non-binary questioning gender expansive people. And then as far as how I got here, so I've been in the community college now for, I think, five years. I used to be a counselor and teaching counseling courses and working with students in the counseling office. Before that, and also during that, I've had my private practice and had a therapist there that I teach and train in affirming care and worked at a sliding scale community mental health clinic where the population there was highly immigrant, first generation, Mm -hmm. uh, low income, and also used to teach at Pepperdine in the Graduate School of Education and Psychology. Wonderful. You hit a lot of the special populations that we do as well, (laughs) and just in a different capacity and advocating for them in a different capacity as well, which we love. I know you gave a short overview, but what are some of the things that, what are some of the supports that you are providing? And maybe when you say gender affirming therapist, can you kind of explain that a little bit? Yeah. So that means that I have a specialty in understanding experiences. I do a lot of, well, experiences of people who are trans or non-binary, those of us who are not trans and non-binary. So just in case you don't know the word cisgender. So Mm -hmm. cisgender is the word that means you're not trans. So if you were born and they assigned you a gender and you have always felt in connection with that gender that was assigned to you at birth, then you Mm -hmm. are cisgender. The root of of cis means same and trans means across. 
So Mm -hmm. that's a very important word to know, because Mm -hmm. if you don't know that word, sometimes people will accidentally say, well, I'm not trans, I'm normal. And ouch, that Mm -hmm. hurts because being trans is a totally normal human experience that has existed across time and culture. And so the word cisgender is a good one to learn if that describes you. So I am cisgender. So this was not an experience that I had in my life, but I noticed that when I started doing this, gosh, somewhere between 10 and 15 years ago, when Mm -hmm. trans clients would call me for my private practice, they would tell me I've called, you know, 10 different therapists and no one will work with me. Mm. So I started seeing these clients and then realized, okay, I guess I can do this work. I wasn't sure if I was, if I should out of the greatest respect for people who live trans lives and understand that experience. And I did not. So I dove in, got a lot of training in how to do this and I think a big misunderstanding in gender affirming therapy from the outside, sometimes people will think it means I want everyone to transition. I am a pro transition person Mm. and Mm. that's not what it means at all. I am a pro in support of the person, whoever they are, whatever they feel best to be. And some people transition and some people don't. And most people come already understanding who they are. They just Mm -hmm. want support as they navigate whatever process they may be taking on. And I think I love that you say, you know, with experiences, right? Mm -hmm. We all have shared experiences. Of course, from your perspective, you're like kind of thinking like, am I the right person for this? Right? Like I haven't specific, but you know, you can have empathy. You can be that crying shoulder, that person that actually listens, that person that actually acknowledges, that understands and accepts. And maybe other therapists just weren't maybe thinking of it in that way. But it's so refreshing to, you know, hear you even say like, yeah, I kind of thought, you know, and and out of respect for the community, like, should I be doing this? But then diving into it, getting the training and then seeing like, oh, this is an area that I can assist in, which is just wonderful. And that's incredible to me that it was just, you know, 10, 15 years. That's such a short, you know, blip of time that you've been able to offer so much support to, like you said, a population that's been around throughout history. And yeah, I think that's, I think that's that important people get, mm-hmm, to yeah. know. Like, too often we hear things from people across the country, like, well, back in my day, you know, yeah. we're referring to how we should do things or what we should, you know, quote unquote, accept in young folks. But, you know, as you mentioned, this is not something that is just new that just you know, the experience of feeling or being trans is not something that is just popped up in the last 10 years. And I know it can look that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people said that about autism. Oh, good. Yes. Yes, exactly. A little bit about that. I know you said, you know, existing for generations and like we, we've had a number of guests on where we've talked a little bit about you know, the background and history, but I think it's always important to dive in to let people know, like, this isn't like, here's some examples of like, why this isn't something that just popped up 10 years ago. Oh, yes. So one of my favorite simple resources, if you just Google PBS World Gender Map, PBS has assembled this uh, interactive globe where you can click on various areas and read stories about cultures. Some are current, some are historical Mm. that have recognized Mm. three or more genders. And Mm. before you go there, just know it is a bit of a trigger warning because some of those cultures did not respect and revere those third genders. 
And some of them did. Hawaii has a beautiful tradition. And their third gender culture was regarded as shamans and healers and people that were of higher connection inside their culture. So there's also been, you know, archaeologists and digging up graves and bones of previous civilizations. They find people with clear male anatomy, the bone structure, but will be buried with adornments that were typical of females in that culture. So we know there's something going on there. There's uh, stories of other cultures where children are raised in a more, in a way where no one is assuming what gender children will grow to be. And then as they reach a certain age, they're able to decide what they're most in connection with. There's ideas of this two spirit identities where we can have more than one gender uh, living inside our person at any one time. There's all kinds of different ideas. And it really highlights how much the idea of gender is really socially constructed. Mm-hmm. Even if you look inside, so I am white and I am Western European descent. Even if you look back bes- through that cultural heritage and think about the times of people going to balls and like the time in which Cinderella was written, it was considered appropriate for women to wear blue and for men to wear pink because pink was a far too ostentatious color for women to wear and they needed to wear Mm. something more demure. And that was thought to be just inherently obvious in how the Mm. genders would prefer to adorn themselves. So these things just change across Mm. time and culture. And Mm -hmm. right now, I think the beautiful thing that's happening is that our younger generations are engaging with their own gender and gender identity in very different ways than generations before them, in ways that they're breaking out of these boxes that we were told we needed to live within. Like this is the Mm. box called female. It needs to look Mm -hmm. this way. You need to Mm -hmm. have these certain life ambitions because of it. You need to create an identity around sacrifice and giving for others. And beauty is the price you need to pay to exist in this world. You know, all of these kind of things we were told as women. And men have their own box that they need to fit within too, per culture. And now a lot of that is just being challenged or even disregarded. And it makes more space for people to live in ways that are more authentic to who they are, which I think is a much healthier way for all of us to be living. Yeah. And it's so important to kind of embrace and allow these young folks to embrace that. And so when we think about, you know, young kids growing up, they spend the majority of their time at school and they learn from their peers. And of course we have social media and all of that too, um, that impacts it, but being able to be who you feel you are and embrace your own identity while you're at school, which is like I said, where you spend the majority of your time is so important. Yet we are seeing kind of this counterbalance of the more that young folks are embracing this, the more the older generations in many aspects are trying to shove it back down. And we're seeing that in forms of, you know, school board policies, and even state laws that are trying to prevent schools, educators from embracing these kids as who they are and helping guide them. Because we think of curriculum And how we teach kids as how we are teaching and guiding kids. But now teachers are being prohibited from really doing that, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, learning that other, that people different from yourselves exist has never changed a person to suddenly transform into this other thing that they're learning about, unless it resonates with your soul and somehow highlights, oh my gosh, this finally gives me language to who I am. Yeah. But 
Also, parents often worry that if they support their trans kids, or even if a kiddo is thinking, well, maybe I'm trans, or maybe I don't want to dress this way. Maybe I want to have a haircut or use a different name or a different pronoun. And parents are worried, well, if I support this, will this push them down this road? And it doesn't. Our support does not change a person's gender. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. And all of these school board policies that or laws that try to remove medical care from children, in some mm-hmm. cases, adults as well, or to take children away from parents on the perception that they have been exposed to gender affirming care, or to out children to their parents, if a mm-hmm. school finds out that they have asked to be uh, called by a different name, all of these things just damage children's self-esteem, confidence, and their relationship with their parents. It doesn't provide any sort of new direction in their life because these policies are not powerful to change who people are. Right. Exactly. And I think it assumes a couple of things. It assumes that children are not human Mm -hmm. and that their parents are their overlords and can make them do anything. And I don't know about you guys, but I have a four-year-old. I can't make her do anything. Yeah. I like, <laughs> you know, I can encourage her and I get it. Like people are like, oh, gentle parenting, like back in my day, like, oh, look how I turned out, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, well, that's not, we're not back in the day. Okay. First off. Well, and the mm-hmm. argument that, oh, these kids are too young to be exposed to this. And there's mm-hmm. the care mm-hmm. of, you know, now with like books and I mean, let's be real. If we are really looking at books, like how much of, you know, even just like, if you look at the curriculum we learned in high school, right? Shakespeare, Shakespeare has so much of this in it. And yet we are looking at certain books and curriculum as, oh, kids shouldn't be exposed to this. Not even thinking about things that like have been part of curriculums, but also the fact that young kids, if it's, looking into who they are and embracing who they are. Like Mm -hmm. most of this that we're talking about is I don't think these kids are too young, but I think that's kind of where a lot of the talking points that people see is like, Oh yeah, of course. I don't want my five-year-old, my kindergartner to be learning about, you know, transition surgery and all of this, even though it's not really what's happening in schools. But I think those are the talking points that people are kind of, pushing for right and Uh, and it's not and also this is connected to the complete fabrication falsehood that trans people are somehow connected to pedophilia that's the root of all of this bigotry and hate which is absolutely fabricated Mm -hmm. no Mm -hmm. data at all to support that and also trans identities are not born out of trauma they're not born out of abuse Mm -hmm. they're not they are just inherently who people are and they're a totally normal beautiful part of human experience yeah and i think the slippery slope too i mean when we think about the young kids being able to have teachers that a student feels comfortable with and safe with because we want kids to be able to freely express how they're feeling to their teachers who they're especially like elementary school they're spending the majority of time with like one adult right and so being able to feel comfortable and you know even just the simple concepts of like Vicky was saying with her four-year-old like if I have a, a son who wants to wear a dress to first grade and we have a teacher who's not understanding and is going to say, what are you doing wearing that? Like even something as simple as that, if we are not training and educating teachers on how to better support and embrace children, no matter yeah. what stage they're at, even if it's just they're doing something that they like, right? 
I think that's an important thing to think about too. Like we are getting to this down this route that not only are we not allowing the teachings and embracing, but we are now telling teachers like you basically can't be supportive of students. And that's very, very harmful. Well, and it's really important to know that just one supportive adult in an LGBTQ plus students or person's life in a young person's life reduces suicide risk by 40%. It's huge. And the reason that the suicide risk is so high for this community is because of all the reasons we've been talking about everything Mm -hmm. that they are facing, but Mm -hmm. also, so when I work with a lot of trans teenagers and when they talk about hiding themselves when they're not out, Mm -hmm. when they feel like they Mm -hmm. won't be accepted, loved, cherished, or even when they love their parents so much and they feel like, gosh, am I going to hurt my mom or dad if I tell them that this is really who I am? When you're constantly performing this thing that isn't you, you can Mm -hmm. end up feeling like no one really knows me. And Mm -hmm. so even if the people Mm -hmm. in your life are telling you, I love you so much, they seem to be celebrating you for things that aren't really you. And so there's this really intense loneliness that can happen for our kiddos who are not out and are not loved and supported. And so as much as we tell them, I love you so much until you can really see the full them, it's really hard for that to penetrate and to really think in and feel loved. Mm -hmm. So having cutting off that one lifeline, because kids are often Mm going to tell their teachers before they tell their parents, they want to try something out on a person that isn't the most important person in their lives to see how that goes, get a little bit more confidence and then come to their parent, even if their parent is so loving and so supportive and so on board for them. That's just often the path it takes. And cutting off that lifeline is going to very significantly damage our kiddos. I'm so happy you brought that up because I feel like there are some people that are just like, why are we even talking about this in school? Like, why are we even, you know, this shouldn't even be. And it's just like, how much time do your kiddos spend with, you know, their, their teachers, you know, that a lot. And, you know, language is, it's powerful. And you, you started the episode, you know, by even just talking like just with the distinctions, right. Of like, Oh, sis, like you'd want Mm -hmm. to use that instead of saying normal. Right. Because, and we say this all the time, like, we don't even know what is normal. Right. Like sometimes we'll say like, Oh, compared to like typical or like general education, but it's just like, what is that anyway? Right. And I, I just think it's important that, that people understand how damaging these seemingly like, oh, well, we're just not gonna say gay. We're just like, not gonna like, that's like extreme, like words are very powerful. And, you know, we need to be mindful. And even I've seen teachers just, you know, instead of going from, okay, tell your mom and dad, it's like, hey, tell your adult, you know, because it's not just mom and dad, there are different variations, maybe, it's Mm -hmm. you know, but like, just even just that slight change. You've just made two or three kiddos in your class that you didn't even know grandma was raising or has two dads or whatever. Like you've just made them feel like accepted. Right. Whereas before maybe teachers were just like, you got to tell your mom this or, you know, it's just like these small little things, but then we have these other damaging things that are happening. I know you and I had just briefly talked about, you know, other states, but then even looking within our own state, you know, everybody that is not in California is probably thinking like, well, you're, you guys are in California, you don't have to deal with this stuff. But we are, we are dealing with this in pockets of our state, even Southern California. I had had an old client reach out to me. They have a close friend that has a intersex child and a particular Mm -hmm. district was just making these like, it really seemed 
very much targeted to this family. And, you know, we had to have a discussion and, you know, point them in the right direction of what to do and how to do things. What are some of the trends that you're even seeing here in California that you've been made aware of? I I know that you have your pulse on the advocacy level of of state and even federal, which is amazing. But what are you kind of seeing just as this kind of, is it a tidal wave? Is it just like these small pockets? Like, what are you seeing? It's so interesting because it's two completely opposite trends happening at the exact same time. I'm seeing a lot of positive legislation coming out Mm -hmm. in California. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I do is I teach and train campuses how to follow all the LGBTQ plus affirming laws that we have and how to create affirming campuses that are loving, supportive and provide dignity for our students. Amazing. And so I did two trainings just yesterday and my slides that I have, I now have three solid pages of slides of laws that are affirming. And so that is moving in really beautiful ways. Yes. Uh, And at the exact same time, the opposite is also happening. So at the school board level, we did have, we had one person who attempted to pass a law in California that would out all of our trans kids (sighs) they informed a teacher that they wanted to be called by a different name, use a pronoun or engage in a sport or activity that is gendered if they wanted to engage in it in the gender that is not the gender that they are recognized as a school. Mm. And the law did not pass at the California state level, but what happened was this policy has been written and then has been distributed to our local Mm -hmm. And that's why you're seeing so many of these pop up. So as of last week, when I last checked, there are six school districts that have now passed this. The most recent one was Orange Unified here in Orange County, California. I went to the board meeting and and spoke there as many people did on both sides. Coming up next, I just got an email yesterday that San Clemente is going to be the next one that's putting this on their agenda. Mm. So so it wow. is moving through our state and it seems to be passing. Yeah. And all of the comments that we have made thus far apply to this situation exactly because it also it puts our our teachers uh, yes. in the middle where they're yeah. now going to have to choose if they're going to follow this policy or break it just to try to provide a safe haven for any of their class to share who they are. And if I could just note, because I think a lot of people get very confused as to what happens if a kid comes out as trans, what that even means. So as far as transition goes, Mm -hmm. nothing happens for our youth. We're Mm -hmm. talking about like being known by a different name, maybe a haircut, using a different pronoun. These are all completely temporary, totally changeable, nothing long lasting. And the Mm -hmm. best thing that we can let our kids do is to try this out while it's all temporary. If it actually feels good, if it resonates with them, Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. only thing medical that can even happen when they are in puberty is they could, they could possibly be put on blockers. Blockers is like a pause button for hormones. It Mm. uh, allows kids literally years to figure out what they want. Once you remove the blockers, puberty just reinstates as usual. Or at that point, maybe they're 16, 17, 18 years old, they can decide, no, this really is what who I am. Um, I would like to go on cross-sex hormones. And that can be mm. done with parental approval if they are minors. So okay. nothing medical, the, the fear of we're changing our kids permanently right. is does not really happen. Right. That's not the path that yep. this takes. And the things that we're asking schools to just do, teachers to honor the pronouns and the names that these children are asking for and allowing them to, you know, 
be in a safe space there it's so minimal in the grand scheme of things of what a teacher yeah. can do that it's just absurd that we are are trying to I mean we're already putting a lot on teachers as it is but now like this and I think that's a good point to make because I think people have these assumptions that oh so much is happening there's a lot of controversy about the locker rooms and the bathrooms and whether or not these kids can play certain sports but the majority of these kids are not asking for these things the majority of these kids are asking for things that mostly about being accepted yes the stakes for all of this have been made very high And whenever I see a new policy come out, it's very clear that that person has never actually talked with someone who is trans or non-binary because over the 15 years and all the people I've talked and helped with, I mean, everybody just wants the ability to exist as themselves. That's all it is. Exactly right. We see it all the time. People go from William to Bill, right? And I think that's something important for people to understand too, is a lot of these things don't really affect you. (laughs) Like it may seem trivial to you, but like it's everything for that child to go by the name that they want to go by. And, you know, it's really, that's why we were really excited to have you on because I I think there's just a lot of misinformation, right? And, And that's why even though Amanda and I may know, like we were asking these questions because we feel like a lot of people, it's just so easy to get overwhelmed and the loudest voice sometimes gets heard. And and so we wanted to kind of shine a light on like, really, what is it that we're talking about? And, And we're not really talking about, like you said, these broad changes, like, you say this, and then all of this is gonna happen. Like, but that's what it's made to seem like. And like you said, like, just even speaking to somebody that has an experience might do you some good before you just kind of cast that first stone, right? Yeah. So I think if there's anything that would be a, a really good thing for people to start with is like actually speaking to someone with this experience or someone like yourself that's trained and has had all these experiences with the community that you can speak to. Yeah, and there's there anything- lots of videos okay. you can watch YouTube, yeah. you can search. There's yeah. lots of people sharing their experiences mm-hmm. that you can learn from if you want to. You also mm-hmm. don't have to be scared to talk about this with your kiddos. Yeah. I mean, I think we all want to raise global citizens who understand how to have compassion for all kinds of different people and different life experiences, especially the ones that are different than our own. So whether mm-hmm. our kiddos grow to be anywhere within the queer and trans umbrella or not, I want them to be able to know and love people for who they are. So talking about this too with kids, I think is really important with all kids. Agreed. Erin, is there anything else that you think would be important for our listeners to know or understand as we wrap up? Yes. One last thing is advocacy. Please, if you care about the subject that we have been talking about today, about the people in this community, when you have a chance in your corner of the world, please make it known how you feel about this. Just as you said earlier, Vicki, the loudest voices, especially Mm -hmm. the ones offering Mm -hmm. fear and panic, usually get their way just because they're the loudest. And those Mm -hmm. of us with the message of love and caring Mm -hmm. and dignity, Mm -hmm. we need Mm -hmm. to speak up and do things and write letters and show up in whatever way that makes sense to you in your corner of the world. Oh, I love that. I love a call to action. We are all for (laughs) that here. (laughs) So 
Erin, I feel like we could have you on again because we didn't even get to half the topics we wanted to talk to you about. <laughs> I know we say that a lot, but you know, we do try to keep these episodes in an easy digestible time frame for our listeners. But if you guys have questions, please let us know. And Erin, we would love to, to have you back on to maybe sure. answer some of those questions. Yeah, that would be great. Incredible. And Erin, if people want to reach out to you or need help, where can they go? So my website is gendersupport.com. You can email me at Erin, which is E-R-I-N, at gendersupport.com. Incredible. You guys check out her website, Erin. We appreciate your time and your candor. And uh, listeners, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.